Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Is a duty that's owed to the corporate entity to do what's best for the entity in the long run. And what we're learning is that maximizing share price in the short run often turns out to be a very bad thing for the corporation and the corporation's shareholders, but also its employees, its creditors, its suppliers, broader society. One of the points that you make uh, in the book, The Shareholder Value Myth, the book we're talking about, is something I used to attempt to explain to two people on the, shall we say, far right that I used to do radio with. One was Colonel Oliver North. The other was Pat Buchanan. I used to try to convince them that when a corporate tax loophole is created, that doesn't mean that everybody is in great shape because somebody's going to have to pay the taxes, for example, that are not being paid by the big Fortune 500 company. Or, if that doesn't happen, then maybe there'll be a cut in spending at the government level and you'll start to lose, well, the road construction you'd hope would occur outside your house to fix the potholes. So explain this a little bit. I never persuaded them of that, but I was glad in reading your book to see that I was right after all. Well, I think what you can you can say to Colonel North, among others, is you need to go back and read your business history. When the public corporation first arose at the beginning of the 20th century, for most of the 20th century, the managers of companies understood that the job of the corporation was contribute to the society broadly. That meant mm-hmm. not only to give good returns to investors and shareholders, which was viewed as very important, but also to provide good jobs for employees, to be a good citizen and to pay taxes, and to provide good products for consumers. We called this philosophy managerialism, and mm-hmm. as a result of managerialism, for most of the 20th century, corporations were on the whole a very positive force in American economic life. Now, however, we've got this newfangled idea, and by that I mean it's really only 20 or 30 years old. We have this newfangled idea that managers are supposed to run corporations by focusing on one thing only, getting that share price up as high as possible, as quickly as possible. And what we're learning from experience is that when you run corporations that way, they do things that are bad for the employees, the creditors, the government, the society. But it also turns out it doesn't seem to be a very good strategy for investors, at least not in the long run. And it's not a good strategy for investors for the kind of reasons that I was talking about, or even is it a good strategy for investors if their only interest, they forget the potholes, forget who else is paying taxes, but just for the core business success of that company. Is it bad for that too? 
It is in the long run, and that's the key. What we're really dealing with is a conflict of interest between a very narrow but powerful set of investors, especially the hedge funds, which have a very short-term time horizon, Mm -hmm. and the majority of investors, the so-called mom-and-pop retail investors, people who are investing for their retirement or for their children's college tuition. Most investors should have a long time frame. They don't want the company to cut back on research and development if that's going to hurt its long-run competitiveness. They don't want it to fire loyal employees. They don't want it to produce shoddy products if that's going to destroy consumer loyalty. But if you're only going to be holding your shares for six months to a year, you're happy to have the corporation do those things if it will get that stock price up. And that's really the conflict that's being played out between the investors who have a very short-term focus either intentionally or unintentionally, and the interest, the real underlying interest of shareholders, which is a corporate sector that will not only produce jobs and tax revenues and good products, but also produce decent returns for investors, which, by the way, most investors have noticed we're having a problem with that. Yes, we certainly are. But the hedge fund uh, owners, the the people who are managing this for short-term profits, these are people uh, who appear to exercise an inordinate amount of power in decision-making because the mom-and-pop investor is really, first of all, they, they, I mean, they get their proxy statements, their annual meetings, which they don't go to. If they did go, they probably wouldn't get uh, permission to speak anyway. So uh, isn't it a losing proposition? The mom-and-pop investor, in a sense, has no power, might as well not exist. Right. The, the playing field is not level here. Even though the average retail investors, the moms and pops, dramatically outnumber the hedge funds and indeed own most of the shares. Hedge funds only own about 10 or 15 percent. Mm-hmm. The reality it's those hedge funds, those undiversified investors that exercise enormous influence because they're not diversified. They've got, you know, they, a diversified investor will own a small amount of shares in 20, 30 companies. They may even own shares in a mutual fund that owns shares in hundreds of companies. That's correct. They don't have time to look after each and every one of those companies and see what's going on. But a typical hedge fund will have positions in maybe two or three securities. They've got the time and the leisure to put a laser-like focus on managers and to push them to adopt these short-term strategies. And, you know, one interesting problem is that Many retail investors actually don't own their shares directly. They own them, they own them through mutual funds. Right. And mutual funds often follow the same short-term investing patterns that the hedge funds do, hmm. primarily because they're almost forced to. Investors, you know, it's the old joke about Pogo saying we have met the enemy and he is us. Right. When investors focus only on how their mutual fund has done in the last quarter, Yep. Inadvertently, they're forcing their mutual fund managers to adopt a short-term perspective. And so when you put the hedge funds together with the mutual funds that are subject to these pressures, the fear that if they don't perform well in a quarter or two, they'll lose investor funds, you get an entire system that's geared toward thinking only three months to a year ahead, instead of where we should all be thinking, which is 20, 30, 40 years ahead. Exactly, because if we're in it for the good of the country, the economic growth of companies that help to make America grow, for example, you have to have that kind of long-term outlook. If you don't have it, you end up just shuffling paper, making some short-term profits, and you don't care about loyalty, 
because you're not even loyal as a big hedge fund investor. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Professor Lynn Stout from the Cornell uh, Law School. Her new book is called The Shareholder Value Myth, How Putting Shareholders First Harms Investors, Corporations, and the Public. When we come back, we're going to ask uh, her about a couple of other issues, including uh, what about that socially responsible investing? I mean, you know, a lot of us did that for a while. Their returns weren't bad. But does it really make much difference overall? We'll be back with that and more right here on Culture Shocks. I'm your host, Barry Lynn. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel, at 800 686-2237 extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237 extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237 extension 108. Are you storing food? Prepared families are storing food for months and years, but only have enough fuel storage for days or weeks. Stretch your fuel storage by harnessing the power of the sun with a sun oven. Food can be baked, boiled, or steamed at temperatures of 360 to 400 degrees with the power of the sun. You can use the sun for 50 to 80% of your cooking, allowing you to preserve your fuel storage for rainy days. Sun-baked foods stay moister and have less shrinkage and do not burn. Sun-baked roasts are tastier and more succulent, and sun-baked bread has unparalleled taste and texture. Water can be heated in a sun oven for purification or personal hygiene. For the past 26 years, sun ovens have been proudly made in the U.S. They're durable, have a long life, and come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. For a discount coupon, visit sunoven.com forward slash radio. That's sunoven.com forward slash radio. Here it comes, another cold and flu season. 
Get ready for it and save now during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't be without powerful natural flu fighters like elderberry power capsules. They support the immune system and they have antiviral properties. Another powerful antiviral is olive leaf capsules, highly recommended by Herbal Healer Academy. Also on sale is Physician Strength Oregacillin, a savior for the lungs. It fights bacteria, virus, and fungus. Our famous four herb capsules are a gentle liver cleanser and can be taken daily. Also featured this winter are the homeopathic detoxes, liver, kidney, lung, lymph, whole body, and brain detox on sale. And remember, as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. back on Barry Lynn. We're back with Professor Lynn Stout, the author of the new book, The Shareholder Value Myth. She is a distinguished professor of corporate and business law at the Clark Business Law Institute at the Cornell Law School. Okay, Professor Stout, uh, we've established that uh, this idea that you just maximize profits for the shareholders is bad possibly for everybody, including, ironically, the shareholders. I used to uh, try to be responsible as an investor. I didn't have much to invest, but I did try to be socially responsible, invested in mutual funds that were socially conscious, uh, no booze, no tobacco, no sexy lingerie, and I seemed to do just a little worse than I would in my other tiny investment and other kinds of mutual funds. But some would say, look, it's the... It's the hope that counts. At least it puts a little nudge of responsibility to the community in the hands of those corporations. What do you think? Um, I actually think it has the potential to put more than just a little nudge. Socially responsible investing, I suspect, can be a very big part of the solution. What we need to do, of course, is get a critical mass of investors who are pushing for this approach. And I'm pleased to to report that actually interest in socially responsible investing is increasing. They may have lost you, Barry. I hope you'll consider and go back. But the percentage of funds under management that are now in socially responsible funds is is more than 10% in growing. And we're also seeing the creation of a new kind of fund called an impact fund that instead of just trying to avoid bad stuff, actually focuses on trying to look for investments in particular areas like green technology to try and promote those kinds of investments. So I think that this is actually a very good way for shareholders to send the message that they don't just care about whether or not they're a little bit richer at the end of the day. They're looking at the big picture and they realize they don't want to have their investments perform a little bit better if in the process they're hurting their other interests as employees, as consumers, as citizens. Yeah, you know, by the way, just because I wasn't making as much didn't mean I got out of all those funds. And I do, in fact, and I have been looking at precisely what you've talked about for, for investments now, and that is to make a difference, not just avoiding the negative, but actually making a positive contribution. What about the shareholders, you know, who think they own the company, they get up shareholder petitions to try to do something good, and uh, they don't even necessarily get to voice anything about their petitions when they go, in the unlikely event, they do go to the annual stockholder meeting. Well, this is where I have a position that, that goes a little bit against 
what most people think of as the shareholder-friendly position. I actually think that we're in a situation now where shareholders are given too much power and too much influence over boards. Hmm. And I say that because what happens is, at the end of the day, the shareholders who are most able to take advantage of that power and that influence is exactly the short-term hedge funds that we were talking about. Interesting. So, you know, the, 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 if you want to get better corporate results, I think one of the things we need to realize is that more, quote, shareholder democracy, close quote, isn't the solution. We've been adding shareholder democracy to our corporations for the past 15 or 20 years, and their economic performance is, if anything, declining. Declining. So this is not, in other words, the once again, it, it, it's a little bit like what I've come, sadly, to believe about microfinance. It, it feels good, and those petitions can feel good, but in the long run, there's somebody that's playing the game better than the person you're trying, you're trying to help. How about this question, Professor? When you talk about the Bhopal India gas leaks, you talk about the uh, British Petroleum BP oil spill in the Gulf, is there any empirical evidence that by paying out, for example, higher dividends, the companies responsible for those disasters willfully ignored safety expenditures that might have prevented these calamities in the first place? Or is this just an assumption we're making? Well, it's not just an assumption. There's evidence, and the evidence comes in the form of what people in the business world will tell you. They've actually done surveys of corporate executives, and they have said that they will pass up projects that they know will produce better results long-term in order to make their quarterly earnings reports. This is a problem that's really well recognized in the business world. Now, interestingly enough, executives are not necessarily pushing back in part because as part of this whole shareholder value ideology, we changed the rules of executive compensation so that now executives themselves profit from yeah. short-term thinking. But the fact is when you, when you get them you know, in private and talk to them, people in business know this is a problem. They know it's a problem, but more and more people benefit from it, so there's no point in pointing it out to others. Yes, they, they sit there, and, you know, I've seen this very often. You'll have a, a manager of a corporation, an executive, and a, and a hedge fund or someone comes up with a great idea for how to uh, raise share prices in the short term, but it's going to hurt the company in the long term, mm. and the executive advises against it but then keeps getting subject to pressure. And under our current compensation schemes, at some point the executive says to him or herself, look, I could fight this, but the fact is if I go along with your plan, I'm going to end up richer. So how hard do you expect me to resist? Exactly. When you think of the broader pictures, I mean, one of the reasons I like to talk to you is you're very clear. The books are well written. We try to do this with economics uh, a lot on this program because it is really a place where, I mean, frankly, most people, you know, really do think if they balance their checkbook, that's the functional equivalent of the federal government having a balanced budget. They don't understand about capital investments and all of these things. What, what is the problem with economics? Did, did a half of a year course in high school scare most people away from thinking about how the world really operates economically? Um, you know, it, it is interesting how we've created, we've almost made a religion out of economics, and not just any kind of economics, but free market Chicago school style economics. And what I mean by religion or dogma is that it's taught to people as something that somehow mysteriously got 
handed down from a cloud on a set of tablets. Exactly. You know, and you're supposed to believe things like the stock market is efficient and perfectly values companies or yeah. that shareholders own corporations. Even though all of the evidence of the real world around us shows differently. Yeah, so it's, uh, and we do, and, and people think that, you know, Adam Smith didn't want any regulation of the economy. I mean, I'm persistently trying to explain that that's not what he said. That may have been what Milton Friedman said, but Milton Friedman's been wrong about a whole lot of other things. Why not this fundamental error in thinking about the U.S. economy? Right. And and by the way, to defend economists, they're not they're not all that very rigid free market style. But at least in the business world, it is that free market ideology, that shareholder value ideology that's really dominated for the past thirty years. And again, interestingly, it's a new intellectual development. The economists who studied corporations in the nineteen thirties, forties, fifties and sixties would never have bought this. Well, no, because they also were the same people who lived through the 20s and were thinking about what had happened and realized by 1935 or so that there was a lot of evidence and it was not that unfettered, non-regulated businesses were good for America. Right, and they had also they also experienced really the success of the managerialist philosophy, the idea that managers are supposed to run corporations for the benefit of all of their exactly. constituencies in the broader society. Exactly. I mean, they they were familiar with firms like IBM, Xerox, yep. and um, uh, yep. uh, you know, yep, Dupont, firms that well, had research and development centers that were generating wonderful products that provided secure employment for yep. thousands or hundreds of thousands well, that, of people. That, Sadly, that was then. Uh, this is now, uh, but it is. Uh, it really, thank you, Professor Stout, because uh, this is the kind of corrective we need. You've been listening to Culture Shots. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. The worst drought in 50 years continues, and the first six months of 2012 marks the hottest half year on record. 78% of the Midwest Corn Belt is in drought conditions. Not only corn, but soy, alfalfa, fruits, vegetables, and wheat are all impacted, raising prices. The cost to feed livestock is forcing farmers and ranchers out of business, blowing up your food prices. The only strategy to counter this is to freeze your food cost at today's prices by getting your own supply of foods from eFoods Direct now. As the price of raw ingredients increases, eFoods will have 
have to raise prices too. Now is the time to get your supply. I recently increased my supply from Eat Foods Direct because we have all known this was coming. You know about their delicious long-term storable foods. The fact is you can eat at any time to save money today. And because it's stored for 25 years, you're locking in today's prices and avoiding the rising food cost. Don't wait. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eatfoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. Call 800-409-5633 or eatfoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. You can bet your life on eFoods Direct. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Don't throw away leftovers. Instead, throw all your leftovers, vegetable peels, eggshells, coffee grounds, pizza crusts, and more into the Bokashi. If you love to garden and compost but don't like the hassle of turning a compost bin or the smell, then check out the EM Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System from Terraganics. Finally, a way to recycle all your food and plant waste safely and effectively and stop using fertilizers. The EM Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System. Rather than decomposition, the Bokashi system uses fermentation to break down waste, so it takes less time to create nutrient dense humus for crops or gardens with no turning and no obnoxious odors. To learn more and order your Bokashi online, visit Terraganics.com and click on the orange button. That's Terraganics.com, spelled D-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Recycle all your food wastes in about six weeks with the Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System from Terraganics.com. Terraganics, life's getting better. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Okay, we are back here in Culture Shocks, and we are uh, switching gears. You know, rarely do I think about having an author on just because of the title of the book, uh, but this title so intriguing, The Hour Between Dog and Wolf, that it immediately was an attraction to me. I remember that Ingemar Bergman film, Hour of the Wolf. The Hour of the Wolf is the hour just before sunrise, when allegedly most babies are born and most people die. My guest, John Coates, did you hear about that hour of the wolf thing even before the hour between dog and wolf? You know what? It's the first time I've heard of it. No, it's a, it's actually, it's a very, it's a great Swedish, you know, Bergman film, and I actually understood part of it, which is more than I can say for a lot of others. <laughs> so tell me what is the hour between dog and wolf? It's an old French expression. Um, dates back to about 1100 and even before that to about 200 AD in Latin and it refers to twilight not dawn um, it refers to the time of day when you 
can't really tell whether an animal coming out of the woods is a dog or a wolf. Um, but it also refers to something a bit darker, because back then they still thought that transformation was possible, and it referred to the point at which a dog could transform into a wolf, um, a, a tame animal into a wild one, or even a person um, from a tame form into something a bit more dangerous. And I thought it was a perfect title for my book, because um, the book describes how traders, Wall Street traders on a winning streak, can actually be transformed into a different animal altogether, and they take too much risk with terrible risk-reward trade-offs. Well, let's look at what you know from biology and neuroscience. So you switch essentially from finance and Wall Street trading to being a research fellow in neuroscience. But what do you first look at? First, you look at hormonal changes when somebody's on a roll, but then it's there's a lot more to it than that. But let's start with uh, testosterone, for example. Well, yeah, we're. Um, I mean, that's that was sort of the first thing we looked at, or at least mm-hmm. I looked at, because um, when I was running a trading desk on Wall Street, um, this was a time when the term, you know, it was the dot com bubble. It was a time yep. when the term irrational exuberance came into the English language, and we all knew that it was gesturing towards something real. That was driving the markets, but no one knew what it was, and economics didn't really know what to do with it. It was just this sort of extra thing that we all knew was sort of messing up economic theories. Um, I had actually, you know, observed traders changing during that period. They were becoming euphoric and delusional. They were taking mm. more and more risk, and worryingly, it was risk with worsening risk-reward trade-offs. And I not only observed it, I also um, experienced it a couple of times when I had a winning streak and was expecting an above-average bonus. Um, At those times, I felt like a master of the universe. And when I look back on those periods, I cringe, quite frankly, when think of how I carried myself. but And also carried, presumably, other people's money. I mean, the risk that you're undertaking because you think you're a master of the universe affects, well, other people in the universe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's no doubt about it. How um, about the flip side? What happens if you're having a down day? What happens if you're, you know, losing money at poker or losing money in the stock market or your penny stock is crashing? Then what kind of hormonal influences occur? Well, I'll... Um, to, to see the downside, I'll sort of um, finish describing the upside. All right. Because what, I mean, because this thing that I had experienced and observed, um, this irrational exuberance, I became un- firmly convinced that it was chemical, that this was not a purely psychological phenomenon, that our bodies was producing some kind of chemical that was acting like a narcotic hmm. and causing me and my colleagues to act irrationally. Um and I came across a beautiful model in animal behavior, which I thought, for me, explained what was going on. And it's called the winner effect. Okay. Um, in the animal world, when an animal has won a competition, a male animal has won a competition, he's statistically more likely to win the next round of competition. Um, and they've controlled for the size of the animal, motivation and everything. And nonetheless, a pure winner effect still emerges. If you win, you're more likely to win again. Now, that's, extra, that's an extraordinary mechanism. Right. And what they found driving it was testosterone. And basically, you know, the allotted role of testosterone in the body is to um, prepare us for competitions. 
and testosterone was rising in the animals, preparing them for the competition. That increases their lean muscle mass, the hemoglobin in their blood, mm-hmm. which increases its capacity to carry oxygen, and their confidence and their appetite for risk. Um, I mean, this is a very potent molecule. It's why exactly. athletes take anabolic steroids. Yep. It helps you win. The winner comes out of the competition with even higher levels of testosterone, the loser with lower levels. That means the winner goes in the next round of competition with an edge. He wins again, and the whole thing feeds on itself. And I think this process, this winner effect, um, is responsible for winning streaks in sports. Um, The trouble is, as the testosterone rises in the bodies of these animals, they start taking um, silly risks. They go out in the Mm -hmm. open too much. They pick too many fights, um, and they get picked off more. They get they suffer predation, increased rates of predation. I thought this was a beautiful model of what was happening to traders. They put on a trade, they make a lot of money, testosterone levels rise, they take on even bigger risks until eventually they blow up. Um, and it really made, I mean, it, it felt right from yep. my own experiences. And then when we went back to Cambridge, the first experiments we ran were with testosterone. And the data um, indicated that um, this model was, in fact, operating in the financial world. Okay, so what happens on a trading floor or in the rest of life, uh, arguably even realer life, when you've got one man and one woman looking at the same financial instruments, looking at the same trends? Testosterone's not going up with the women, is it? No, we've we've just started looking at the winner effect in women. It doesn't appear to exist in them, um, I Mm. guess, because they have about 10% of the testosterone as men. Right. Um, but it's also possible that it doesn't exist in older men as well because your testosterone levels fall over the course of your life. So um, women and older men, I think, have very different um, attitudes to, to risk-taking than, than young men. All right, let's, let's flip it now to the, the issue I've begun to chat with you about, and that is what happens to the loser, the losing streak. Is there such a phenomenon, and what do we know about its causes? That's the focus of our research right now. Um, because what happens when, on the downside, is um, the stress response. And we're, we're fascinated by the stress response, not only because of its power over um, the financial markets, but, you know, outside the financial world, the stress response is, you know, one of the one number one contributors to workplace-related illness, stress-related illness. Right. So I think understanding um, <clears throat> workplace stress how it affects the financial markets, how it affects our health in the workplace is just fundamentally important um, for the way companies manage their, their workforce. So it's sort of our focus right now. So what happens then? Well, we found that the stress response kicks in under conditions of, of high uncertainty and threat. Um, so when the volatility in the market goes up, when we go into a crisis, mm-hmm. um, you get this massive stress response across the financial community. Now, the stress response is designed to keep us alive during an emergency. So what it does is it shuts down long-term functions of your body like um, uh, digestion, uh, reproduction, because in the middle of a crisis, it's no time to have sex. Um, It shuts down the immune system and growth. Hmm. And in the brain, it has very toxic effects. Now, the trouble with the stress response is that it was originally designed to last a few hours, maybe a few days at the most. But right. it lasts longer than that. It can have just a devastating effect on your body. It contributes to um, gastric ulcers, hypertension, heart disease, immune disorders like recurrent colds, 
of viral and infections. If you feel, um, yeah, John, if you feel that way, I mean, if, if you what you're describing because of this stress, then one assumes you would not want to be taking any risks because you'd be happy to just get out of bed. Yes, yeah, ab- absolutely. We think in the brain these stress hormones, when you're chronically stressed, make you um, hmm. uh, irrationally um, fearful, fear risk and risk averse. Okay, I, I fear we have to take a break and do a little commercializing. When we come back, we'll be back uh, to continue the conversation with uh, John Coates, the author of the new book, The Hour Between Dog and Wolf. All this sounds very interesting because all of these kind of things we can't control. But what about risk taking that we can control? We'll be back in a minute on Culture Shocks. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Vote for radio. You know, right now, so many people are trying to get themselves elected. Not a day goes by I don't see a billboard or get a mailer or a flyer or receive a phone call from a politician of some sort. All politicians have something to say, so why don't they say it? That's right, say it here on the radio. That way, voters could hear the emotion in their voices and hear the passion they might have to serve the public as an elected official. You know what, politicians and campaign managers? Radio can do that for you. Here on G. CCN, the Genesis Communications Network. You can target voters with an affordable radio campaign that might help you get elected by using a medium where your competition may not be, radio. And advertising on GCN is more affordable than you might think. Learn more. Visit GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email. Advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Vote for radio. Preparedness is simple. When you have the right stuff, and with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, sun oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your life straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Are you or someone that you love struggling to reclaim your health? 
My name is Matthew David Hurtado, CEO of RNADrops.com. In 2008, I struggled with chronic fatigue syndrome, PTSD, and Lyme's. I thought that all hope was gone as I lost everything in the process. In 2009, a miracle happened. I discovered ION and RNA Drops. Two months after taking RNA Drops, the chronic fatigue and the PTSD had vanished into thin air. I'd like to invite you to discover RNA Drops by visiting www.rnafreemini.com today. That's rnafreemini.com today. Listen to hours of testimonials and get a free trial bottle. Pay only shipping and handling by visiting www.rnafreemini.com or give us a call at 1-888-550-8231. That's 888-550-8231. Hurry, supplies are limited. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. All right, we are back right here on Culture Shocks. We're talking to John Coates, Senior Research Fellow in Neuroscience and Finance at the University of Cambridge. An odd uh, collection of background. Well, he worked for Goldman Sachs, ran a trading desk for Deutsche Bank in New York, and then went back in 2004 to research the biology of financial risk-taking. John, uh, just yesterday... I made a decision and told a person in my office about it. It has some genuine financial consequences. She was surprised that I made it. And then I said, you know something? I'm 60 years old. I'm going with my gut on this because so often when I resist going with my gut, that's when I make the mistake. So we're taking the chance. We're moving forward. That seemed to make her feel more confident as a person of about the same age. Now, is something going on that I don't know about? Am I convincing myself that because a lot of my good hunches lately have worked out that this one's going to also? Or maybe I'm just being completely rational and it's going to work because I've well planned it out to work. Yeah, I think... um... Some of the most fascinating work being conducted in physiology right now um, mm-hmm. is on gut feelings. Uh, it's turning out that they are real physiological entities. They're not just the stuff of legend. Um, because one of the, the big changes that's taking place in physiology and neuroscience is the realization that body and brain um, develop together and function together as a single functioning unit, that there is no separation between body and brain. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in some sense, we're more closely tied to our bodies than any other animal. And that is, makes us incredibly good risk takers. It gives us fast reactions. We can react physically to news and to incoming objects um, far faster than our conscious brain can keep up with. Um, but it also means that we're endowed, this, this tight connection between our body and brain means that we're constantly getting information from our bodies and those inform our decisions. These are our gut feelings. Right. Most of that information takes place below the level of consciousness. The frustrating thing about gut feelings is that they can be incredibly valuable information when we go to make decisions, mm-hmm. but frustratingly, 
they're just, they inhabit just at the fringes of awareness. So we kind of know them, but, you know, it's, it's really hard to focus on them. It's just, sure. so we all know that it's really valuable information coming up from our bodies that's guiding us in our risk-taking, but it's really hard to listen to them. It is hard to listen to them, but if you're like uh, me, or at least in this one instance, I'm going to go with it. Now, doesn't it help, though, speaking of the body and the mind, if the mind has thoroughly uh, and quite rationally discussed options that just happen to become justifications for our gut feelings. If, if you're looking at two stocks and you decide to you explore stock A and stock B and you decide, well, you know, I've, I've read every report on stock A. I think I'm going to do this. And then you think, and by the way, it feels right. I mean, how can you separate the rational studied behavior that makes you take a risk against some kind of vague uh, on the periphery gut feeling that says, yeah, I kind of like stock A over stock B. How can you separate those two ways of responding? Well, I mean, I'd love to have some science to answer that question, mm. but, you know, this research is so new that, that I can't, you know, point you to any existing research that would answer that question. I can... All I can tell you is what I used to do on Wall Street, and I, I think I was a pretty good trader. Um, I would do all the um, rational economic man thing, all the um, prudent things. Sure. I would pour over a trade, look at the reasons why I think it was a good trade, why if it was such a good trade it exists at all. Does that mean if it exists at all that other people have looked at it, decided against it? Mm. I'd look at the economic statistics. I would talk to other people and I would eventually form an opinion, an intellectual opinion, on whether I thought this was the right thing or not. But if I didn't have that hunch that this thing just felt right, I didn't do it because it was just, I don't know, some, quite often when something is intellectually right, you know, everyone else may, should have come to the same conclusion. Right. I, always, I always needed to know that I was getting this validation from something else. And I don't know what that thing was. I mean, I have a better idea now that I've studied the science. Mm-hmm. I do know that there were a lot of very intelligent people who always had better reasons for thinking through trades than I did who didn't make any money at all. Mm. And the traders who did make money had this extra thing that allowed them to know when a trade really, you know, they had a good hunch that this trade was going to work. And in fact, you live in fear of losing it because it's so intangible. Exactly. I still live in fear. What happens if I wake up one day and I just don't have that anymore? Exactly. And you don't know what the it is, although you're, I mean, they're closing <laughs> in on it, right? But, but you know, a hunch... Um, I mean, to some people, the idea of a hunch, it, it's almost like a psychic experience, like, oh, I, I should do this because I, uh, uh, I have a feeling. But what you're talking about is much more serious than that. It is some combination of rational behavior and something at the periphery that may be related to human physiology. But it's not just a guess, and it's not some kind of weird psychobabble psychic phenomenon either. Yeah, that's right. We're just starting to learn about the physiology behind these things. Um, I think the, the chapter in the book on gut feelings is one mm-hmm. of my favorites. Yes. I think it's got some fantastic research in there. Um, I try and, you know, um, describe for people who have never been on a trading floor what this is like. 
what this decision-making process is like for traders. And I eventually ended up deciding that the, the best way to do, to do it is through a story. So there's actually fictional characters that we follow. You know, we see what they do when yep. they go to work in the morning, when they get their cup of coffee and sit down in front of the screens and make their decisions. And we follow them through a bull market and then a crash. And so through the story, you can see what traders actually do and how they make their decisions. But as we're following them doing that, I zoom inside their body to look at the biology supporting their fast reactions, their gut feelings, their irrational exuberance, and then their irrational pessimism. And so the two sort of stories twine around each other. And I think it's a good way. I mean, I came to the conclusion that it was absolutely the best way of communicating um, the excitement of the trading floor and the excitement of the science that is now explaining what is going on inside the traders. Yeah. I mean, I think those characters really do drive a lot of interest in, 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 in the book and in helping people understand what's going on. How about this factor, though? What about those traders who is... Uh, real interest, particularly during the dot-com, was not so much uh, their long-term future, but very short-term profits. What happened or didn't happen to the people they were allegedly representing in those trades really didn't make any difference. It's kind of an evil streak. It's a streak that says what matters is how much money I make. I'm going to worry about other people's money, and in fact, I'm going to worry about the rest of my life some other time. How's yep. that factor? Yeah, but no, that's, it's it's incredibly important um, um, factor in the markets. I mean, I saw it, I saw that calculation eat through Wall Street like an acid. Um, I mean, I think when I started at Goldman, we were really taught to um, be prudent. There was a, a, an ethic of uh, looking after the clients, um, and you know, we saw um, in a lot of the hedge funds that would be setting up at that mm -hmm. time this realization that. Your interests actually were in maximizing um, the craziness of your trading results. In other words, you wanted to make take as much risk as you could to get, make a hundred million one year because you got a fifteen million dollar payout, yeah. and the next year you lost a hundred million, you didn't have to give it back. And, and this mm -hmm. calculation, realizing that there was no downside to crazy risk, just ate through Wall Street like acid. When you look today in the last couple of weeks at what happens in Europe, uh, is, are the U.S. markets being irrationally risk adverse or are they being prudent? Yeah, very good question. Um, I think the two, I mean, there's, there's reasons to be concerned. Um, you know, unfortunately, increasingly, we don't seem to be pulling out of this thing. So, you know, there's very rational reasons to be concerned. The biology certainly amplifies these things because you know, once a trading community, you know, for a trader to go into a bank that's at risk for months, yep. years at a time, it, you know, during the credit crisis, every trader I knew was not just, you know, freaked out. They were medically basket cases. They were right. just recounting a litany of medical woes. Mm. So these financial crises, they're not just... No. Economic crises. They're medical crises. Yeah, indeed. And that's, uh, that's one of the many things that uh, you and others are looking at. And we're at the beginning of this science, but the science is there, and we're going to continue to explore it. And uh, John Coates, want to thank you very much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. This was enjoyable. Terrific. The book is The Hour Between Dog and Wolf. It's about risk-taking, gut feelings, the biology of boom and bust. If you're booming, you tend to want to boom some more. You're busting, you get really adverse. All right, that does it for today's edition. I'm Barry Lynn. We'll talk again.
This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, we fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover Rocket Stove Minimal Wood Use Cooking Stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com. Hey everybody, it's Deuce from Clark's Nutrition and Natural Foods Market. Have you ever noticed that the word change is found in the word challenge? We have, and that's why we have the highest trained and most understanding staff around. They will assist you in picking out the freshest produce, finding the perfect supplement, or figuring out which cereal has the most fiber. Whatever you need to turn your challenges into change. Clark's, changing the way you shop for health day by day. Ah, Timmy boy, we hardly knew ye. Tim Pawlenty, that is, the rather moderate former governor of Minnesota. He had made a radical change in his political persona last year, deliberately yanking his views and rhetoric to the far right in the vain hope that he might become this year's GOP presidential nominee. But he didn't catch on with the party's red meat right-wingers, so Pawlenty was out before most Americans even knew he was in. After losing, he double-clutched and shifted again, becoming co-chair of Mitt Romney's campaign, a guy he had dissed as not a real conservative during the spring primaries. But being a Mitt bobblehead was a nothing position. Once again, then, Palenti departed before anyone knew he was there or who he is. So, no doubt, you and other inquiring minds are dying to know where the ever-shifting what's-his-name has shifted to now. I can help you with that. Tim has gone deeper into the political darkness where even fewer people will see him. He's the new top lobbyist in Washington for Wall Street. Palenti will head up the powerful but obscure Financial Services Roundtable. And, once again, he had to shift his views dramatically to get there. 
Only last year, he was blasting the giant banks for their massive government bailouts and insider deals. He demanded that they get their snout out of the trough. And now, he's the snout-in-chief, in charge of filling the trough with special goodies for the Wall Street powers. Asked about the irony, or dare we say hypocrisy, of this rebuker of Wall Street becoming his primary Washington defender, the Roundtable's former chief simply quoted an old inside-the-beltway axiom. Where you stand depends on where you sit. This is Jim Hightower saying, So at long last, we know who Tim is, the poster boy of Washington's ethic of flexibility. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Like a battlefield. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. But it's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpets sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. All right, this is Ted Anderson. I am standing in for Butch Paul, and we have a treat for you today, just as I promised yesterday. We will have Dr. Joel Wallach just shortly right after the break. We can't really cover a whole lot of ground right now between now and when the, when the first top of the hour break comes. Right after that, we'll have Doc Wallach in here with us. Uh, Butch Pa had to dig out of three feet of snow, my goodness, uh, to be able to get all that done. And then uh, he'll be on air tomorrow. And so you'll have to get your uh, your your issues on the table here. Everybody who has their little health issues to get going, I'll cover mine at first. I'm going to talk about some that are not so uh, not so intimate, and others that are because of the fact that Doc Wallach is just. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I've been seeing doctors all my life, get my physicals, doing the whole thing, uh, walking around with knee pain. Uh, they're looking at putting me on Lipitor. Uh, to bring down my cholesterol, uh, the uh, you know the, the things weren't going so good on the backside, if you know what I mean, and and uh, just a whole long array of issues. And I know that everybody gets so excited when Doc Wallach's here because you know you come up with your questions. I mean, I've seen this guy uh, take care of uh, diabetes. I've seen him take care of uh, you know weight loss. Uh, uh, gastric, uh, you know, to the uh, acid reflux. I mean, that was a big one for me. You know, there was a time uh, I was so afraid to even just burp because it would hurt so bad. And I was constantly popping Prilosex every single day. And uh, not even not even a, a hint of it anymore. That's, that, that is so amazing. You know, I need, you, you think that, well, you have to change your diet. Well, i got to tell you, I tried changing my diet. I tried to cut this out, put that in, you know, do these different things. Things came down to the fact that I had a prescription strength Prilosec uh, version. I can't even remember what the name of the drug was. You know, and that, that was it. I mean, that was what I was looking forward to. Fifty years old. I know Butch was uh, fighting diabetes. Uh, I'm 
good friend of mine that I met in Longevity actually had gangrene in his foot. We'll talk about that. My gosh, they were going to amputate his foot. And, uh, and you know, once you become, you know, to that condition, you think the only thing that there is to do is to amputate. And in this particular case, they didn't even have to do that. They were able to uh, uh, let him go. They took him off the amputation list. I mean, uh, people with uh, congestive heart failure and on the list to get a new heart surgery and so on and so forth to have the doctors say, you know what, we're going to take you off the transplant list, you know. Please uh, continue doing what you're doing because whatever it was, you just had a miracle happen. And this is the kind of stuff that I've been running into. So, I mean, it's it's almost like I've become this uh, um, evangelist for uh, for longevity products. I can tell you, it's it's about the man that you're going to hear about here in in just a, a very short few minutes here because of the fact that Dr. Joe Wallach, after doing 35,000 autopsies, um, you know, just the the work that he he has done, he has discovered and uh, come up with some of the, the, the best solutions to health that I've had and I've seen bar none. And we'll be asking those questions, very pointed ones, uh, because I can tell you, for me, having knee pain, and one of the things that I did is I would go down to the store. Uh, it was, I believe, uh, probably Walmart or uh, Sam's Club is what it was. And I'd get these bottles of glucosamine and I'd drink that stuff. And I can tell you, I, went, I did that for four years and still had knee pain. Didn't go away. But we'll talk about it on the other side. We'll have Dr. Joe Wallach on. Could your family survive a food shortage of two weeks to six months? or more? Sound far-fetched? The Department of Homeland Defense and your local Office of Emergency Services are already suggesting at least two weeks' worth of food and water. Do you really think that's long enough? We have enemies who have sworn to attack us using nuclear, chemical, or biological weapons. Add this to the ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse, and you have a recipe for disaster. The answer is the supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods were designed for the space program, have gone to the moon, and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. We carry such things as freeze-dried chicken, hamburger patties, pork chops, cottage cheese, and freeze-dried compressed peas. Contact the freeze-dried guy by emailing him at fdg at freeze-dryguy.com or call him at 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-3663. Call today. Thomas Jefferson once said, when the people fear their government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is liberty. Our God-given right to life and liberty and the right to determine what is best for our lives and our family's health are in jeopardy. If we the people do not diligently assert these rights, they may be taken away and lost forever. Utopia Silver is known for fighting for health freedom, and we will not meekly allow ourselves to be led as lambs to the slaughter. Sitting passively by and accepting the chains of slavery that are being placed on America is not an option. Please stand with Utopia Silver in this fight. Utopia Silver carries some of the most effective colloidal silver products on the market and numerous other high-quality health supplements. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A, utopiasilver.com. Or call us today at 1-888-213-4338. 1-888-213-4338. 
in more ways than one, it's going to be a November to remember. Starting this Saturday, November 3rd, and just in time for the holidays, Emergency Essentials offers a huge Mountain House sale only at BePrepared.com. All Mountain House cans are 20 to 32% off. For example, a can of Mountain House Chili Mac, regularly $25.49, is now only $17.24. Scrambled eggs with bacon, usually $31.89, now only $21.56. And save 26% on a three-day emergency kit. Or save $123 on a one-month supply of freeze-dried and dehydrated foods. Gift shoppers, check out the Catadyme Vario Water Filter at 26% off. Or get special pricing on the Gerber Suspension Multi-Tool and the Volcano Stove Collapsible Cooking Combo. For details, call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and emergency essentials low price guarantee. But hurry, the November to Remember sale starts this Saturday. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or beprepared.com. There was a mighty nation, blessed above all of creation. It was a rare and precious pearl. Conceived in faith and liberty, home of the brave, land of the free. It was the envy of the world. But this shining city on a hill has turned from the creation.